Eston, we need to go back in time and stop a heinous error from my time stream. What is it, Mike? Did you erase someone from your past? Did you create a butterfly effect? <gasps> Are you going to stop Hitler? Even worse. You need to stop me from seeing these horrible movies from my past. Here's the list. Let me look at this. White Chicks, Child's Play 2019, The Angry Birds Movie, Cowboy vs. Aliens, Independence Day 2, Ocean's 8, Captain Marvel, Scary Movie 4. What? The rest of this list is just Sandra Bullock movies? <laughs> right, 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 right. And I would be such a better person if these movies weren't in my brain. Please, you have to take my Ford Fiesta and drive over 40 miles per hour to travel back in time. Okay, bud. I'll do it for you. Three hours later. All right. I'm back from the past, Mike. Has your life changed? Pip, pip, Cherio. I'm right as rain. Let me take you back to my mansion. Show you my swimming pool of money. May I interest you in a private jet to Honolulu? I have Scarlett Johansson's number if you'd like a companion. Or you can take a tour of my job at Nintendo. Good morning! Don't we have fun here? Yes, we have much fun. We love our little opening skits. <laughs> yes. Please, please tell us how amazing that skit was. Anyways, and all, all of it's 100% true. Welcome to Film Logic, a movie podcast that covers the cinema of yesterday, today, and tomorrow with every fandom in between. We are part of the Retro Logic Network which includes gaming and music podcasts like RetroLogic, On Topic, Retro Groove. We're just a big, happy, uh, geeky family. I love it. Same here. Um, yeah, I'm with my co-host, the man with the letters VCR tattooed on his back, Aston. Yeah, how's it going out there? Definitely. Almost yeah. close. Don't have VCR on there. I do have Yoda and Xenomorph tattooed on my back. <laughs> you know what? I would expect nothing less. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That is amazing. You know, I, I, when I made up that entrance, I didn't think you could top it. I was going to just say, ah, ha, ha, ha. But no, you, you topped it. Yeah, um, definitely. I drew them myself, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. There's your movie fan for you. That is dedication. I, I picked the right person here. There you go. Um, but I do have a confession, Aston. Uh-oh. Um, you wouldn't know this because it was a race by the time stream, but you, we actually were supposed to have a guest, but I might have gone back to 1985 and erased his existence. Oh, no. Yes. That ain't so. Yeah, we don't know his name because we erased it from history, but, um, you know, just just think he was a great guy, and he knew a lot about this stuff, but I might have stepped on the wrong flower or, you know, some kind of butterfly effect, and, you know, 
he's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might work on a possibility of going back and getting back somehow or another. At some point, said guest, if I could try and figure out who it is. Right. But I'll right. try and work on the past. Well, you can have my Ford Fiesta. There you go. I appreciate it. Definitely. We, we'll share the car among ourselves. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so, my friend, you know, today, um, we, we haven't met since for like two weeks in... I just need to know, you know, what you've, what have you been watching? What, what has gone on your screen that is of noteworthy value? <laughs> Worthy in the eye of the beholder, subjected by all comments. The, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've actually uh, been watching on uh, Netflix. I watched the uh, Mark Wahlberg movie, Father Stew. Um, mm-hmm. Some movies I start. And I really don't read the background on because I just want to just go with unabashed, you know, just want to enjoy it, the light. And if it's uh, like definitely just uh, sucks, it sucks. And I'm like, well, I can warn somebody else down the road. Um, so I didn't read anything on this, but I did not realize Father Stu is actually based upon a true life uh, father, man of the cloth and uh, his life story. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's very entertaining. Um, I feel horrible for the guy after seeing all the the situations that he has to go through in the movie, but um, actually it's a very good movie if anyone wants to watch it and gets to see like you know how uh, someone in the real cloth and what all he has to go through, um, be it physical tragedies and medical tragedies and stuff, and and um, it's got Mel Gibson in it, and um, you know Mel Gibson plays definitely uh, um, more of the I say more of the angry Mel Gibson, but it has more redeeming qualities toward the end. So it um really good movie. Um next one I watched was on uh Amazon Prime, uh Last Looks. Uh it's a Charlie Hunnam movie and um I'm a big fan of Charlie Hunnam. Um a lot of people if you don't know him by name, he was Jacks and Sons of Anarchy. Um he was actually in Pacific Rim. Um he was that albino in um Cold Mountain, which they actually did really good showing that genetic condition by him having a nosebleed. That comes with that condition. But um, real good movie. He plays um, a cop and he kind of goes into um, exile. And in the start of the movie, I was kind of thinking, okay, this is going to be some, the way they're advertising, some dystopia where the world is overpopulated and we're having to do resource management. And they're trying to make themselves out to be a sci-fi kind of movie or, or, you know, uh, a um, cautionary tale, if you will environmental disaster movie and i'm like i don't know if i'm in the mood to see this type movie but you know i like the actor so i'll give it a go but actually once you get through that that first like bit of it i mean actually kind of ditches that to the side and actually becomes more of a uh he's kind of a cop that actually gets tasked by pi as far as like trying to a retired cop getting passed by pi to um go and try and find and solve a case about a murder that occurred and so he kind of per se comes down off his mountain and um, it's actually a good movie really good movie and um, so it actually turned out really good. And um, again, it's, I'm not trying to like double down here, but this one actually had, I didn't try for this and I didn't know it actually, but this one actually has Mel Gibson in it also. And wow. Mel Gibson plays like this, goes to it with like a British accent most of the time. But um, so, but um, good, good movie. And, okay. uh, and then the uh, last thing I was watching was, um, I'm actually a big fan of his career, and I love Top Gun, and even love more Maverick. Um, mm-hmm. I quote Top Gun randomly, um, but I watched Val, the documentary of Val Kilmer, 
Uh, if anyone's ever wanted to see kind of like a, uh, behind the curtain what Val Kilmer's like, um, the documentary is done um, and actually uh, read by his actual uh, his uh, son. And um, it's a pretty long documentary, pretty in-depth. Um, it goes to the expanse of his career um, and also delves pretty deep into his personal life and, um, you know, the hardships that he's had to endure and challenges he's had to endure. Um, learned a lot about him. I mean, he has a bad rap of being kind of a, you know, a jerk on set and stuff like that. But um, at the end, you get really get to learn that he's quite a um, quite a family man and he's really dedicated to his to uh, to the people he loves. And so um, I'd say anyone is. Mm-hmm. And if you love Top Gun, you love and you think you got a good life for Val Kilmer, definitely worth watching. Yeah. He's the forgotten Bruce Wayne. So Yeah, he actually talks about all his movies and he talks about playing Bruce Wayne and or playing uh Batman in that movie. So it's it's uh he touches on all of them. Yeah. I, no one hated him as Bruce Wayne, but no one loved him either. So I actually thought he didn't do such a bad job. No, I, I mean, I, I know I've seen George Clooney quoted as saying, I'm the reason why the Batman franchise tanked. But um, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't mind Val Kilmer as, as him. I mean, uh, as Batman. Yeah. Oh, that is excellent. Um, you've only watched three things. I watched a couple things in anticipation for this episode. Uh, so first thing I watched was something that looks complete, like on the outside, if you're just going by DVD art, it looks like a rom-com about time travel. So it's called Meet Cute. Um, Kaylee Cucko, Cucko, and uh, she's from The Big Bang Theory. And you got, you got Pete Davidson, real funny guy. Um, and it's about them going on this amazing date together. And then um, the person, Kaylee, plays this girl who keeps going back in time to relive the date over and over and over. And as she relives this date, like her backstory gets darker and darker and darker about why she's doing this. And it's about mental health. Um, she, she actually says that when she goes back in time, she kills her, she kills her, her old self just so she can take her place. And so it, it shows you her running down her old self as she goes back 24 hours to relive this date. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's a, it, it starts getting into mental health and, um, you know, it's a, it's a great metaphor for being in a relationship and how things can feel old. But it's, it's under the guise of her doing the same date over and over and over again. So um, at first you're going to think, oh, you know, it's a rom-com. And, you know, it's gonna it's gonna have like a cute message, and it's got like a but no, it it gets it gets dark, and it gets psychological very quickly. Interesting. So, then, um, you can see this. Oh, so you can see that on the Peacock channel. But if you're on the Peacock channel, um, you should go see Blades. Blades is a parody of Jaws. Um. <laughs> It follows the movie beat to beat. So it's about a, a, a golf course um, that has a rogue lawnmower um, that hunts down people. So I know, right? <laughs> Just in time for Halloween. Yeah. So this this is an amazing movie. Um, 
they even like they copy every scene from Jaws. Like they just transfer it over to a golf course and where the shark is a giant lawnmower. Like even to the point where they catch a smaller lawnmower and like the protagonist is like, that's not the right lawnmower. And so they check the stomach of the lawnmower and they don't see any body parts. <laughs> and they're like, you got the wrong lawnmower. And then, uh, you know, to the, to the very end, they get in this huge van and they drop bales of hay everywhere to, to lure the lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> so they can blow it up. So, yeah, that is amazing. It's, you know, it's a stupid movie. Not going to lie, but it's, it's faithful to what it wants to copy. That's amazing. I am I just on that merit alone. Yes. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a work of passion. So, the other thing I found was on the Roku channel. Did you know Roku has like a ton of like ex- exclusive like streaming stuff that like has some big stars in it? I didn't know. I, I don't have Roku. I, I think anyone can have Roku. If I'm not mistaken, Roku is something that's free, or do you have to have a Roku player to? It would make sense. You'd need a Roku player, but um, but basically, Sam Raimi of Spider-Man and a lot of horror movie fame. Mm-hmm. He made a series on the Roku channel called 50 States of Fright. Mm-hmm. And it's based on every state's, uh, you know, urban legend. So Michigan has an urban legend about this happy couple where a lady, a girl, um, a wife loses her arm and she gets a golden arm replaced with it. And she becomes mm-hmm. so obsessed with it that she comes back from the dead to kill anyone who steals her arm. And then it goes to, what's the state with the huge ball of twine? I want to say Idaho. Got me on that one. Yeah. Well, the state with the huge ball of twine, uh, they have a story where like the children who of the creator of the ball of twine, you know, died and were eaten up by the ball of twine and they're sucking up other children and like, so they they'll never be alone. Um, so that that's fun. It's like these are like seven minute episodes, and so they're really all states. Yeah, so yeah. they're trying to. Yeah, like each state has like two parts to it, two to three parts. So that's bad. Be cool just to see how your state comes up on the list. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah I know. I I got all the way up to Oregon, and then yeah. yeah. Um, I know Hulu has this, uh, it's an, another rom comedy, um, called Valet. Mm-hmm. And it's about this, this kind of like this actress diva. She, she gets caught by a paparazzi with someone else's husband, but also this valet is in the background in the photo. So she pretends that she's really in love with the valet to throw everybody off. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Pretty funny. Uh, you know the Oscar, the Oscar-winning movie is it Cato? Children of Deaf or Deaf Adults? Um, it was on the Apple Plus movie. The music teacher from that movie is like he's the star of LA, and he's a pretty funny guy. Have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. And what's that one on? That one's off of uh, Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, I saw Candyman, the recent Candyman. To get into the Halloween spirit. And 
that's done by is directed by Jordan Peele, so it's going to have that Peele authenticity to it. And you know, Candyman is already uh, like a horror movie that has like um, a, vi- a very diverse background. You know, it makes a monster out of someone who's who's felt a great injustice. Yeah, because I've actually seen the original Candyman, and I know I actually like the original Candyman because although it's a horror movie, it's not like that kind of gratuitous teen goes to have sex, you know, yeah. they're going to die kind of horror movie. I mean, it actually is like you actually, I mean, you you could sympathize with with Candyman in the first one. I can I, I can get it. Right, right. Like it's all about you know a great injustice by. Yeah you know, some white supremacists or very racist people kill this man and he comes back for revenge if you say his name in the mirror five times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually, the first Candyman is actually entertaining. Yeah, we'll give it that, yeah. Yeah. I uh, This this new one kind of takes that idea and, like, ramps it up to 300%. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Tries to capture the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone that Candyman kills is white. Okay. Yeah, and the view the view behind that, it makes a lot of sense if you watch it, is like justice is never gonna get done in like the ghettos or in the gentrified neighborhoods. Yeah. So we need the candy man to do justice for us and kill everyone who we is doing you know, not doing right by us. So it it kinda has that message. It's an interesting message and you know, honestly I didn't hate that message. I was like, yeah, that is a, that's a great premise for a horror movie. I think except, honestly, I haven't seen any of the Candyman's after the first one. Like I said, I just saw the, the original one. I'm like, oh, this is really good. And, um, and then I haven't seen any more of the ones. Cause I know there's been like, I think there's been another one after that one too. Right. After the original one, didn't they do another one? The second, a third, a fourth and a fifth. That's what I said, Cause there was like, it actually had some good success. I thought for like, for the horror genre, you know, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Ooh, we got something here. Let's run with it." And just like the original Friday the Thirteenth was like really good, and yeah. so they said, "Well, let's run with it." And now we've got you know, stamp it, stamp it, stamp it, stamp it, stamp it until actually the ink runs dry. <laughs> right. And just a word to the wise: the fifth one was also on prime time, and my wife and I we watched it, and like after the fifth nude scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, eh, you know, I think the spirit of uh, Candyman is uh, not with these recent ones. I think yeah. they know who their audience is. Yeah, they, they've changed their target audience. Yeah, <laughs> lonely people. Yeah. Anyways, are you ready to play Let's Get Gross? Let's get gross. Let's get gross. Okay, Let's Get Gross is a game where we guess the worldwide gross of what movies made at the box office. It can be anywhere from 10 million to a billion. We have an invisible player named Amy Polar Guest. Get it? Get the joke? Okay. And she always guesses 300 million and tries to trip us up. In this contest, if you are the closest, then you are the winner and you are automatically awarded the title of Baby Mama. Or, if you lose, then you get parked and wrecked. 
So anyway, <laughs> I hope you get all those references. My list. I created a list, and Eston, I believe you created a list. Yeah, I got one. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm going to give you the range. My list is between 300 million and 900 million. So yes. if you're not if you're not careful, uh, you know, Amy could steal one from us. So, and my my list all has one thing in common, and that is Spider Man. All right. Okay. Who doesn't like Spider-Man? Okay. So my first movie, uh, you have to guess the gross, worldwide, and that's Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi collection. How much did it make between 300 million and eight, or I think I'm going to say between 300 million and 900 million. Yes, that is a good range. Now this is the same Remy, the collection, like the collection of all the movies or just Spider-Man? Two, number two, number two, the beloved second one. The Tobey Maguire one. Yes. Okay. Between three hundred we got and nine hundred. That's my range. Yep. Um well, the first was big success. And these are rocking out around the time of like uh the summer. So people were looking for a movie right for the right around the fourth of July is when these were hitting, if I remember right. May, June releases, stuff like that. So um, I'd say 450 million. 450. All right. I'm going to do all the answers at the end. We got Spider Man Homecoming, the 2017 part of the Marvel Universe. How much did it make? Oh, God. I'm going to aim high on this one because I'm biased. I love, love, love this one. So I'm going to say 800. No, I'm going to say, yeah, I'll go, I'll go high. Screw it. 800 million. 800 million. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we have the regular, very first Spider Man movie, 2000, Sam Raimi. Uh, how much did it make? Um,. 600. 600. All right. Because yeah. people are looking. That was different, I'd say. And now we have the famous or infamous, depending on how you think, Spider-Man 3 with Emo Parker. And uh, the, the, first, the first time Venom came onto the scene. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like they didn't capture the magic so much on that one, but I can't remember. I keep remembering these numbers are worldwide. Um, five hundred mil. Five hundred. All right. Good answers. Now we have the reboot, the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. Um, six eighty. 680. You, you think uh, thunder did not strike twice? Or lightning? <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, now we have the animated feature, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, God. That's hard. Um, we guess on the animated one. 
that I, you know actually i'd probably say that one probably did pretty good worldwide um actually was a really good movie um so i'd probably say 700 700 and finally we have the amazing spider-man 2 the one with uh garfield electro. with who with electro with garfield um yeah the um uh, andrew uh Mm. Sony did that one out, so um, I go, I don't know, I go five fifty. Five fifty, such good answers. Are you ready for your reality check? Yeah, knock my socks off. All right, so Spider Man Two. We think everyone loved it. It was great. Um. Where did it go? It got, you said 450 million. It actually raked in 788 million. Nice. So it was a hit. Um, you beat Amy Poehler, our Poehler guest, I should say. She only said 300 million. So you get the star. Very good. Right. Spider Man Homecoming. Um, you said 800. That's a very generous number, but you're still a little low because it made 880 million. Oh, by 80. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, Spider-Man, the very first one from the year 2000, uh, you went a little low. You thought maybe the, the world wasn't ready for this. You said 600. The world was actually very ready. It was 825 ready. Wow. Yeah. Wallets were open. Yeah. Now, here's the shocker. Spider-Man 3. Um, word around the water cooler is it didn't do so well, and it was a little bit cringy. Yeah, I With, know that one kind of was dark. Not didn't do as well. Yeah, justified is why you would say 500, but it actually made $894 million. Good night. I would not have guessed that one about that one. Right? Who was, I think, I think China, it really resonated with China or something. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. maybe India loves Emo Parker. Who knows? Yeah, somebody over there, yeah. <laughs> the Amazing Spider Man, the reboot. Uh, you gave it a 680, which is a very humble number. Um, it did a little bit better than that, 757. Okay. Now, the amazing, made-by-Sony, animated Spider-Man into the Sp Spider-Verse. Um, you know, with that blow-your-mind animation directed by the guy who did the Lego movies. You said 700 million. Everybody loves Sunflower. Yeah. Amazing. It's an amazing movie, and it's my favorite Spider-Man of all time. Apparently, the world doesn't agree, as it only made $375 million. Yeah. I no. know. Man. That is a crime, and I don't know if it's a crime of marketing. Well, no. Like, it was marketed everywhere. Yeah. Or is it just the fact that, you know... Comic book geeks don't want to see cartoons. They want to see live action. I think it has its own video game, everything. God, wow. Yeah, right? It's 
uh, you know, that just made me cry. Into the yeah. Spider-Verse should not be the lowest Spider-Man movie. That was really a solid movie. It was good. I mean, great soundtrack, great tempo. I mean, great storyline. You're preaching to the choir. I mean, it had good actors. Nicolas Cage is in it. Right. Yeah. There's no reason it shouldn't have made $400 million more dollars. Wow. No reason at all. Okay. But this is all based off of boxofficemojo.com. Yeah. Um, so if I'm mistaken, please let me know. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, you gave it another humble score. Maybe you didn't like it. It was $550 million. It was $708 million. Wow. So, uh, you beat out Amy Poehler Guest and all of them except for The Amazing Spider-Man. So, you are Baby Mama. There we go. Yep, you win Baby Mama this round. I'm Baby Mama with the Spider-Man? Yes. <laughs> so, I believe you have a list for me. Yes, definitely. You are. Now, do you want to do the math or you want me to Because I, I don't have the pen on me. Um, I'll write down my numbers, and you can just tell me. Tell you what, okay. Yeah. My list, I got five, and since we're dealing with uh, this being October, Back to the Future, and that famous date in October 1985, my list of five is actually from 1985, Ooh. and my range is between 10 million and 200 million can be the guest. Nice. That's not like I said, guest. You could be a guest. <clears throat> Number one, I'd say one of the famous villains, well, one of the famous villains from this Rocky movie, Ivan Drago, Rocky Four. Rocky Four, okay. Rocky Four, and it's between 10 million and 200, 200 yeah. million. I want to say this made the 200 million because it's a Rocky movie. I'm going to go straight 200. All right. Gross value on Rocky Four is $127.8 million. Okay. All right. $127. Okay. Good there. That's good. You're doing pretty good there, yeah. Okay. I'm, let's keep going. I, I, I think I beat out. Yep, I beat Amy on that one, so. Yeah. I can't believe this. 1985 was a rocking year for movies. I had to pick five, but if you ever go and Google all the movies that came out in 1985, you're like, this is like a who's who of classics. But anyways, <clears throat> number two, The Goonies. Goonies. Now, I have, to, I have to remember, this is 80s millions, and 80s millions is a lot lower than 2020 yeah. millions. So I'm going to say they made 70 million. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, you're, you're, you're in the zip code. Uh, 61.3 million. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that that amount of money. Now they're what? making a part. Yeah, they're making a part two now. Yeah. Uh, okay, third movie. The Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. Yes. song at the end. I feel like uh, the comic book geeks and the sci-fi nerds would have stayed away from that movie. Um, Had your Molly Ringwald. Yeah, but their girlfriends would have loved it. So I'm only going to give it a modest 50 million. 
Mm, very good. Yeah, you're on the doormat. Forty-five point eight million. Forty-five point eight million. Okay. Perfect. Next one up. Got a famous comedian and a very famous tune to it. Fletch. Fletch. That one I have zero knowledge. Um, I'm going to say 15 million? No, oh, spot on. 50.6 million. Wait, wait, 50? 50.6 million, yep. Oh, I said 15. Oh, okay. <laughs> I already said 50. I heard you wrong, man, yeah. Well, I mean... I, I'm still doing good against our opponent, but yeah, I was gonna say, wow! If you said 50 million, like I heard you, I was like, oh wow, you actually, yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, and you've never seen the movie, wow, yeah. All right, what's wow. our fifth movie? The fifth one is why I can never watch anyone be shaved in a movie. Um, <laughs> the color purple. The color purple, starring Prince. Oh no, I was thinking. Oh yeah, never mind. I was thinking about a different movie. Uh, backtrack that. I, that's not because of this movie. Yeah, the color purple. Yeah. Is that the one with the Prince? Or is no, that no, the... no, no, no. That's Purple Rain. You threw me off. The color purple oh. is one with um. Oh. With, with Winfrey. Yeah, and Winfrey. Uh, and Danny Glover. Yep. And um, Danny Glover being shaved. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. That Whoopi Goldberg in it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. That is, uh, I'm going to go high, 100 million. Actually, not bad. Close guess, um, 94.1 million. 94.1. Okay. And then. That's that. That's it? Okay. By these rules. We have beaten Amy Poehler, guess, but I, I kind of see that the odds were stacked against her because she went really high on those movies. So sorry, Amy, but we're both the baby mama and you're parked and wrecked. I guess she got wrecked in her actual month to be a ghost Halloween month. I know, right? <laughs> Tough break, sister. <laughs> yes. Let's let's get to the let's get to the meat and potatoes of our episode. So, if you haven't read our title yet, we're going to talk about time travel movies. Our brother, Retrologic, kind of kind of went over Back to the Future. And they had a really special guest named Eric. And Eric is kind of the expert on Back to the Future. We couldn't get Eric. Um, and the reasons include him not having electricity in his area. I think he's around, he's near some hurricane affected places or did i just make that up um no he, he is it because i mean yeah some hurricane came through my area and then i know went after I left my area it went up to his area so yeah so i know uh i know he might have hit some of yeah definitely hit some of his area yeah so our thoughts and prayers are with him but we unfortunately, we can't make this episode about all about back to the future but we can talk about the history of time travel movies and how it was affected by Back to the Future, and how they're portrayed on the silver screen. So, 
I actually have um, a, a guess that time travel movie game for you, Aston. Have at it. I'm going to explain a movie kind of poorly, <laughs> and then you just kind of tell me which time travel movie it is. And knowing your record, you've probably seen all these movies forwards and backwards. So no, no, no. Yeah, I'm definitely not a guru. Yes. So the first time travel movie is explained like this. Uh, A dude uses his memories to go back and change the time to change his life and the life of his friends. Hmm. And he only uses his memories? He only uses his memories to go back in time. Hmm. I don't know why I want to say Memento, but I know it's not a dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's got Carrie Ann Moss. Um, yeah. Uh, he only uses his memories to go back in time. Yeah. When you probably say the title, I'm probably going to be like, yeah. oh, I've seen that. Um, I think it got me stumped. No, no, no. I thought for sure you would have seen this one. This is uh this dude also has trouble finding his car in other movies. Oh, uh dude, where's my car? Well, that's his other movie, but do you know his time travel movie? Oh, Butterfly Effect. Correct. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all I've right. seen it once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You're all warmed up now. Great. There you go. Okay. Yeah. In this movie, the only way to end the time circuit is to assassinate yourself. That is, isn't that Looper? That is Looper. That's what I thought. Right. In this movie, this movie is the only acceptable movie in history where it's okay to date your mom and talk and take her to the prom. <laughs> That's a soft pitch. Back to the future. <laughs> yes. Yes. Can can we just talk about sometime in this podcast how weird? that idea was to pitch um anyways our fourth movie is two members of a rock band learn about history and stuff there's extra adventure yes okay yeah. no way 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 <laughs> a role can reads is still trying to live down to this day <laughs> yes yes in movie number five matthew mcconaughey has to wear a shirt because he's an astronaut and this is time travel? This is time travel. It has time travel tropes in it. And it's Matthew McConaughey where it, the only thing I think of he's doing like time traveling in is interstellar. Final answer? Let me think of all the Matthew McConaughey movies. Uh, the fact that you have them uploaded into your brain impresses me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah, because I know, um, let me see, Interstellar does time travel. Um, he wears a shirt a lot in mud. Uh, the independent <laughs> film is rock solid good, but no time travel in that. Um, of course, no time travel in Dazed and Confused. Then he did all his lawyer movies. Um, then he did Lincoln Lawyer, reprised his lawyer roles. Um, then he did one building. Paxton, where he was kind of like Bill Paxton's that evil kind of version guy. 
Um, then did his rom-coms. Then he did Wolf of Wall Street. If I remember right. Yep. Um, yeah, I say Interstellar. That is correct. That's what I thought. All right. All right. This movie was. This movie actually created the meme, the famous meme. I don't know how, where you are in meme knowledge, but there's a kid in a bed, and there's like a knight in armor standing over him, and the kid is making a scared face. And it's also a famous meme. And what movie is that based off of? Now I haven't um, I've seen memes, but I haven't a lot that I've not seen that meme. Mm. And he's in a uh, coat of armor standing over him, and the kid's screaming. Yeah. He visits the kid in his bed, this knight in armor who's traveled through time. Mm. And that's one scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. God. I can tell you that the cover of the, VC- the VHS has a giant pirate ship on it. The Time Bandits? Yes. Yes, um, it is. Yes. All right. The, yeah, great. I don't remember that scene. God, oh, yeah, great. I remember Sean Connery was in that. Ian Holmes was in that. Yeah. I'm pleased. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had all these big actors. Yeah. So this one I try to be very vague on. Um, a patriotic dude returns jewelry back in time to other movies in the universe. And he returns it to other movies in the universe? Yes. So think of a universe of movies. And in this movie, the patriotic dude goes back in time to return this jewelry. Oh, it's a piece of jewelry he has to return. Yeah. Oh, man, five of them. Or find them. Oh, okay. Hmm. I'm trying to think. You remember I'm stumped on this one now. Uh, once, once you hear it, you'll think, "Oh, that's so stupid." But <laughs> yeah, I think you got me stumped on this one because I can't think of a patriotic guy returning things. When you added the patriotic guy, the only thing that it caused me a mind block. Now I'm thinking, I think pictures National Treasure, those movies, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with time travel. Well, this guy loves the flag, but the name of the movie is Endgame. <laughs> yes, oh. when, when Cap goes back to return all the jewelry from the oh, gun. Oh, well, you threw me off. Yeah, you, you're not saying actually like, yeah, the, the actual like, uh, I got you now. You're not saying the gyms like that from like actual the stuff in the gauntlet and everything. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Because when you were saying jewelry, I was picturing like he's like some heist man. And he's like returning all these like right. you know, jewels and all this other stuff. So, oh, that's trickery. Trickery. Very good. I know. It made you think of Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Liam Neeson's always running around with a special set of skills warning people. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Um, this movie, all I have to say is Jake Gyllenhaal and a creepy bunny. Jake Gyllenhaal and a creepy bunny. The uh, is it time traveling? It's got like 
time traveling weaved into the plot. It's a very convoluted plot. One okay. that has many theories on it, but basically how it all wraps up is by traveling through time, the character is able to resolve. It's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal in a very iconic, creepy bunny. Well, it's definitely not Bubble Boy. <laughs> definitely not. I think that, that's a funny movie. It's got a lot of people in it. Mm-hmm. Who's in that one? The uh, let me try to think now. Um, dang, so I haven't seen any Jake get on home movies where he's time traveling. That's the problem. You I wouldn't even that. consider this movie time traveling, it's just like a weird, a weird subplot almost. This is why this movie has so many like. Uh, theories about it. Yeah, I'm drawing like blank. I'm trying to think of all the Jake Get a Home movies I've seen. Yeah, one of our listeners has to be screaming. Yeah, there they are. It's Donnie Darko. I uh, see. I've never seen it. You've never yeah. seen Donnie Darko. I've never seen, I've never seen that. Uh, yeah. That's that's on the thousand and one movies to watch before you die. There you go. I gotta watch that one. This movie, this next movie is spoiler alert. Um, it was Earth all along. And also, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Can you believe that's considered a time travel movie just because he didn't know he went into the future? Uh, yeah, that was in, like, in both versions. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg version and the... Uh... Yeah, the Charleston Charleston Heston version, yeah. All right. And then finally, teenage siblings enter into a world controlled by a 1950s sitcom tropes. This one I had to go I had to go deep into the movie library. And what's the premise now? Run it by one more time. Uh, it's two siblings. Mm-hmm. They go back in time into a world that's controlled by like nineteen, like uh, the nineteen fifties sitcom tropes. And it's starring Toby Maguire in Joan Allen. Dang. Also has Jeff Daniels and William H Macy. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, don't know, I, was, I haven't seen it because the only William H Macy's movies I really kind of seen with him a lot in it is Fargo and the um, Jurassic Park Three. Um, yeah, I think you got me stumped on this one. Yeah, not a lot of people are going to be saying that this is like high on their list, but it's a movie called Pleasantville. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that advertisement. It's in black and white, some of it, right? Yeah, they black go and yeah. black and white world that's run yeah. by, like, sitcom tropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was, I never saw that one. Yeah. All right, that is my that is my time travel movie quiz. 
I believe you have some fun, useless facts about Back to the Future. Sure, definitely. Some fun, useless facts about Back to the Future that you can use at whatever party you may find yourself at, be it drinking <laughs> or be it just ice-breaking conversations. Uh, Tom Wilson actually improv the make like a tree and get out of here and the butt headline that was not actually in the script. Nice. Um, Billy Zane is actually in the movie Back to the Future as one of the thugs, and you never hear his name, but is actually his name is actually Match. Mm-hmm. When you first see the DeLorean and Doc steps out of it, smoke is pouring out of it. Yet in the movie, this is never again addressed and never again actually uh, seen, and throughout the rest <laughs> of the movie, uh, the two red labels on the flux capacitor say. Disconnect capacitor drive before opening and shield eyes from light. In case you're ever trying to actually read what those uh, labels on the flux capacitors say when they're sitting in the DeLorean. Mm-hmm. When Doc Brown talks about his clocks and talks about how they're off on their time, all the clocks in his house are actually off on their time except for two the one that runs the coffee maker and the one that runs the TV. They're actually correct with their time. Back to the Future, if you actually count product placement, there are actually eight references to the uh, brand Pepsi. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the first episode of The Twilight Zone, we actually see them using parts of Hill Valley Square on set for the first episode. Mm -hmm. And then whenever they're actually, there's a cameo in the movie that the judge that actually stands up when the band is auditioning and complains that Marty is way too loud, that actually is Huey Lewis himself. <laughs> yes. Then, actually, when Doc Brown is talking to Marty about, think about the possibilities. You can go back in time. You can go back to see when the Declaration of Independence was signed. It actually was not signed on July 4th, 1970, or excuse me, 1776. It's actually signed on July 2nd, 1776. So he actually says the wrong date whenever he's actually talking to Marty about the possibilities. Mm. And then lastly, this is kind of interesting if you did catch this in Back to the Future. Whenever like Doc Brown tells Marty to meet him at the mall and they go to meet there, the mall is first called Twin Pines Mall. Mm-hmm. Now, when Marty takes the DeLorean and goes back in time for the first time, the DeLorean actually crashes when he gets there and actually as it's crashing, it runs over a pine tree. That's one of those twin pines. Now, at the end of the movie, whenever like he's actually going back and he's trying to like save Doc because he knows what all is going to happen. If you know the name of the mall now, the mall actually is called Lone Pine Mall instead of a Twin Pine Mall. I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. And last, one other thing I'll add is uh, I found interesting was like whenever the lady's coming up and saying save the clock tower and stuff like that and that around that area there's a helicopter flying over the clock tower at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. If you actually look up at the clock tower, you can actually see a piece of the pavement up there where you can actually stand and stuff. It's actually broken off mm-hmm. and it's actually from actually back in the past where actually Doc Brown actually slips and actually breaks off a piece of the pavement trying to make sure the wires and everything connect. But you can actually see it at the start of the movie. And so that's a reference to like the past, back in the future, back toward the present. Yeah, I love that attention to detail. And it's so awesome. I love that. I eat that kind of stuff up just like, yeah, 
hot hot butter on bread. Mm-hmm. So today's episode is all about time travel movies. And, you know, Back to the Future is definitely like a cornerstone. You can't talk about time travel without talking about to the Back to the Future. Um, what, you know, when you first saw it, did you like it? Did you think it was great? Did you think it? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought it was very entertaining. Um, actually, I know, like, when I was first watched it, it was, like, becoming, like, the fad to uh, tuck and roll your blue jeans. Mm-hmm. And um, that was like, I think I remember that came back to the future. Um, I remember everybody talking about saying, oh, my God, I want the hoverboard. I want the hoverboard. They're going to make a hoverboard one day. And we mm-hmm. would theorize about how they would make a hoverboard. I mean, it was just all that kinds of stuff. Um, I'm happy to get ahead of myself, though. That was, in, uh, that was in part two, right? That was in part two. And I yeah. do have one fact about that. Yeah. In an interview, uh, Zemeckis. When yeah. he was asked about the hoverboard, he was he jokingly says, "Oh, Mattel has had this technology for years. Like my movie didn't innovate it." And he was kidding, but everyone who saw that interview called Mattel and said, "I want that hoverboard that he's referring to." Yeah, <laughs> and they would just get endless calls. So poor Mattel. I, I can't say this. I can't say. But the first movie, what kind of gave me a heartache was I. I will never look at to be continued ever the same because every time I see a movie now and it says to be continued, I always think about back to the future and how it always ended with that to be continued. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was thinking like, how much longer would it be before they ever made like part two so I can see the rest of the story. And which is so funny because the actual, the writers actually said that that was actually a joke plug that they did to write to be continued. And it was actually not meant to be continued. It was just, again, like a joke. And had they actually meant for it to be continued, they would have actually never had uh, Jennifer actually get in the car with Doc mm-hmm. and Marty because they mm-hmm. said that that would have not fit into this to the story plot. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why they had to reshoot her role. Yeah. Um, when the second movie started. Yeah. In fact, I think it was um, it was Michael J. Fox who didn't he didn't know they were going to make a sequel until he saw the VHS. Because the VHS actually included the to be continued at the end. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He saw it and he's like, "Really? They are?" And so he <laughs> called he called Zemeckis and said, "When is this being made?" And that's when he actually learned that they were going to make a sequel. So, I, mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was a great movie. I mean, it's very. I mean, it's a good. Anybody could watch this movie. I mean, it's not like you know, it's not. It's approachable for all ages. And right. it's just a fun movie. And it's got a great plot line. It's not what you call like it's a popcorn movie. It's like, like not something you just watch, you know, to watch, eat popcorn and just be entertained for the next two hours to get up after troubles. I mean, actually, it's a very good, entertaining plot to it. Well written. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's just hard to believe that the script floated around for so long. And people, you know, Disney and all other studios just kind of said, nah, pass, nah, pass. Right. And then the stuff that you learn, I mean, they have fun on the set. I mean, and, and it shows in the filming of it. I mean, like when Marty was saying, you know, to like uh, to his mom, say, geez, you smoke and you drink, too. And he goes to drink out of the flask. Mm-hmm. The actual people on the set actually put um, liquor in the flask and didn't tell um, Michael J. Fox. So when he actually drinks in the flask and he spits it out, that's actually like improv because he wasn't expected to be actually uh, hard liquor. So he was actually drinking it and it was burning his throat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's it's a time travel movie, and 
If you look at time travel movies before this one was made, you got Time Bandits, which was very cute. Yeah. You know, it gives you a history lesson. You got a lot of H.G. Wells remakes. Yeah. You know, with, he made a movie called Time Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't have the cornerstone of just fun um, summer blockbuster time travel movies. And I think uh, Back to the Future definitely set a precedent um, that made time travel like cool. Oh, yeah. Other movies would quote this movie, including Endgame, would kind of make a reference to it. Like, oh, you know, they make fun of uh, Scott Lang, the Ant-Man, for like, oh, all your knowledge of time travel is from from that one movie. And, you know, Tony Stark kind of makes fun of him. And so I... You know, the one thing I really like about Back to the Future is they they keep the rules of time travel simple. Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't overcomplicate them. They don't, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, like, put a puzzle together in the back of your mind, like in some movies. And, you know, that that gives me so much anxiety when a time travel movie has, like, these rules, but, you know, they break the rules, but then they don't mention how they broke the rules and you're just supposed to follow it. Plot holes. Yeah. yeah like, you know, movies like Memento, where you have to, like, your brain has to work backwards. Or, you know, I we, we brought up on the Discord, we brought up this movie called Primer. Uh-huh. Which it has this insane movie time travel rule to it. The, um, something about waiting inside a box. And yeah. when you wait inside this box, it makes time speed up. But then, like... It's still you in the present, but you in the future also are interacting with each other. It's just, um, yeah, Back to the Future does not do that. And I appreciate that so much because nothing scares me more than uh, a rule that, like, the movie wants to play around with that no one really truly understands. You know who else did that pretty easy, like with simple time travel? And actually, no one brought it up in the Discord, I noticed. I don't think whenever like we were talking about time travel movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Terminator series. Right. People don't you know, think of that as a time travel movie. Yeah, no one mentioned Terminator in the Discord. Anyway, yeah, not, and I was, I, was, I was waiting for somebody else to bring it up. But yeah, in the Terminator series, yeah, they just send machine into the into the past or into the future and stuff like that, what have you. Yeah, and it's a, there you go. He just They just come in an orb and Ready, set, deliver. <laughs> yeah. Now, you have to wonder, is that a good way for robots to take over? Is time travel the best option? I mean, I guess if you're trying to kill a resistance leader by killing his mom, I guess that could work. But you would think, yeah, they have, you would think the machine would be like up on its efficiency and it would not say, okay, let's send one. Yeah. To kill this one woman in the U.S. world population. I mean, you would think it would like, you know, maybe like double down, triple down, quadruple down or something like that. And so, which I'm going ahead of myself. If you ever see Dark Fate, then Terminator Dark Fate, you would, I'll, I'll, I'll remain silent. <laughs> you know, yeah. most people, when they see that movie, wish to remain silent. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, there's, you know, on both sides of it, before Back to the Future, and then after Back to the Future, you you sense like a change in how time travel works. You know, the movies after Back to the Future now come up with rules where if you see yourself in the past, like horrible things happen, yeah. or if you change the past in a different way, it creates an alternate timeline. 
uh, those things really didn't like exist except for like in hard science fiction books. Mm-hmm. But you know, Back to the Future kind of made that cool. Um, now, I think it's it's of note that in 1989, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out, but also mm-hmm. Back to the Future Part Two came out. Now, do you think Bill and Ted were trying to ride that wave, trying to steal a little of the coin made by these fun movies? Well, definitely the fun factor of not taking itself too serious and just being approachable as far as like anybody can kind of watch it. Um, I say yes. But um, I mean, it was, uh, but I think Bill and Ted's, I think, did set itself apart from Back to the Future Part Two. Oh, but then again, you know, Back to the Future Part Two could not set itself apart too much from itself right. by being a sequel. Otherwise, it would lose its target audience. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think uh, Bill and Ted is closer to the silliness of Time Bandits. Yeah, um, or maybe Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mentioned a horrible movie. While you know, Back to the Future. I don't know. It kind of it kind of dug its own. It made its own genre of time travel. Like the time travel is a big part of it, but it's not a wacky part of it. Yeah, yeah. Even when they go to the future. Um, for those wondering, like how Bill and Ted did on the same year that Back to the Future Part Two came out, Bill and Ted only scored about forty million worldwide, while Back to the Future got a whole three hundred and thirty-two million. So that's huge in 80s terms. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. So people, people were treating Back to the Future sequel like we treated Endgame. Oh, yeah. 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 And, well, and plus, people like, you know, the, the bar was there. So people are like, okay, here we go. Finally, the, the, the to be continued is continued. So let's, let's see it. And, you know, Bill and Ted had to, had to cut his own path. Right. Yeah. Bill and Ted. And, you know, both movies got three, uh, are considered a trilogy, Bill and Ted. They uh-huh. kind of went, they kind of went off into the woods in the second one and kind of went back into the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Back to the Future Part 3, that whole idea came from when Zemeckis asked Michael J. Fox, um, what do you think is missing in the third one? And he said, uh, you know, but what about the Old West? Yeah, and they went with it. So, uh, what's your favorite one? What's your favorite Back to the Future? Ah, the first <clears throat> still is. Yeah, yeah, the first yeah. kind of just laid a great foundation. Hmm. I mean, that was entertaining, but I mean, I, I definitely would say like if I had to like choose which one I've probably seen the most, it definitely be like the first. Hmm. Yeah. So that covers all. You What's know, your favorite? What's your favorite? I, you know, I, I have to go with the original. I, yeah, the original. Yeah. I just, I think it's, you know, all the beats p- paid off. The movie promised and it gave everything. And I don't really think a sequel could like really top it. Like it could only, it could only uh, like add fresh paint to it, but it really couldn't like, you know, add anything new. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I think it was they were like, OK, how are we going to everyone keeps talking about the paradox, the paradox, the paradox, you know, the same matter can't occupy the same space twice. So mm-hmm. how are we going to uh, 
how are we going to like kind of flirt with that and test that and stuff? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A part of it was, and I know Endgame was a lot of the criticism is uh, you're really just watching parts of the first one and the second one. Yeah. And you're just seeing like a little bit different, like a different skew. You know, same with Endgame. It's like, oh yeah, we've seen these movies, but here's just a little bit different. Think from a different angle. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. You know, Christopher Lloyd. Um, you know, we can't. He's an amazing, amazing person. We can't see anyone else in that role. No, um, I, I know they they were looking at other people like Jeff Goldblum and some other people and stuff like that, but. They went with him, and which is funny yeah. because the height difference. He actually he he had to assume that that hunched over Doc Brown posture uh, posture because of the height difference between between him and Michael J. Fox, just so they can kind of keep them in the same frame. And right. they just ran with it the whole entire. So the poor guy, the poor actor, had to walk around like not able to stand upright as uh for the for the for that role of all the movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another. Uh... Interesting thing is I like to look into the what the first scripts were about. And apparently, uh, so one of the first scripts didn't have the DeLorean. It had a refrigerator. So, <laughs> yeah, they were going to go into a refrigerator to travel back in time. Um, the ending in one of the first scripts would have Marty and Doc drive to a nuclear plant in Nevada to catch a radiation explosion. So you read about some of these movies in their first scripts and you, it's hard to imagine like, you know, seeing a movie that way. And it's just like, ugh, that would be definitely like the cringe factor would go up. You'd be like, what is this? <laughs> so here's the cringiest part of it all. It was not going to be called like Zemeckis said, back to the future. But, uh, the producer, Sid uh-huh. Scheinberg, hated that name, and he wanted to call it Spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> so he, he wanted this running joke where everyone thought Marty was a spaceman from Pluto. You know, when he's in the, he's in the radiation suit and he's playing, what is it? Uh, is it Van Halen he's playing? I'm not sure. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because that was like, I know there's, con- there's some chatter about that, that song and like, Van Halen's like licensing couldn't do that song or something. I know there's some licensing issues with that song I read about. Well, apparently he was supposed to be called the Spaceman from Pluto, and um, Robert Zemeckis is like, no, we're not doing that. And (laughs) I don't even think he argued with him. I just think he went ahead with his name of the movie. But it'd be funny if he would have said like, no, we're not doing that because Pluto is not a real planet. Yeah. He called it like that that early on. <laughs> Could you imagine like us having that conversation right now? It's like, oh, one of our greatest, you know, time travel movies is called Spaceman from Pluto. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that would be like uh, like instead of Arnold's movie Predator, and they called it Arnold versus the Big Ugly Green Monster. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, so apparently Disney, it got a lot of rejections when the first script came out, as you said. Uh, Disney's only rejection was it was too incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, the only other script thing that uh, 
notable script fact is that Doc Brown was originally supposed to have a monkey and not a dog. That's so strange. I guess because of the, the monkey being shot into space. I yeah. guess they were trying to go for the sci-fi twist on it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Einstein. <laughs> Einstein. He was supposed to have a monkey named Shemp. So. <laughs> I'm glad they still went baby room with the dog, Einstein. He was the more lovable and huggable. Mm-hmm. So time travel movies, we're, we're talking about soft science here, but mm-hmm. you, you brought up some notes about the hard, like hard science fiction. Um, do you, well, you wrote some very big words in our notes. Um, <laughs> you wanted to write about how these movies show the theory of general relativity. Oh, yes. Because I was talking about like um, Interstellar. Right. Um, yeah, they uh, they actually some of these movies actually try and they hire um, physicists, right? And um, they actually come in and they actually talk about these things and they actually try and you know apply these concepts in movies and actually try and show it in movies. Um, to actually try and like some of these movies try and you know, instead of going for like the kind of the, the funness factor, they actually try and get the movie kind of right. like, scientifically correct. And um, case in point was like Interstellar, you know, and it's uh, the theory. And I'm not going to go too deep in the woods here. Don't worry on those notes and stuff. That was just kind of things to kind of like jog my memory. But, I yeah, like this. Yeah. Yeah. The theory of general relativity um, essentially is like uh, space time. And you hear that a lot of times in Star Trek series. Oh, the space time, space time, space time. And essentially, yeah, it's like uh, when we look at space, there was kind of categorizing it as uh, four dimensional objects. Yeah, you need three parts space, making the three dimensional and one part to make four dimensional, and that's time. So three parts space, one part time, seeing this one entity, space time. And whenever you take a mass and interject it into um, to that space time, you actually create gravity. A good example of this is if you take your trampoline, somebody's jumped on, you take a bowling ball, you put it in the middle of the trampoline, let's act like the trampoline is actually space. Mm-hmm. So you put that bowling ball in the middle of the trampoline, then you take a marble and you try and roll it on the outside of the trampoline. That bowling ball is creating distorting space time. So it's creating gravitational pull. So that marble eventually is going to make its way and be pulled toward that uh, bowling ball. So, mm-hmm. so you've been in space time, you create gravitational uh, forces. So if you enough mass does that, it creates something called a singularity, which we've all heard of. And you get the singularity, you get a black hole which we've heard of, which actually light itself cannot come out of. Well, interstellar deal with some things of like wormholes, where if you somehow can connect two singularities, you essentially can pass through them and pass through two points in space with a relatively safe, if you will, if you want to think of it that way, conceptually speaking. So that's a little bit of on like how they were doing some of the theory crafting on like uh on actual the uh, space and they actually had a um actually did have um i think it was in uh if you want to go and look it up we actually there was a gravitational wave that was sent out this is just a note um not too far back um and you can google this um of actually we have a recorder of two black holes actually colliding with each other um oh. i think that happened actually in uh 
I want to say with maybe in 2005, um, there was such a, a big reading that a lot of the, uh, the astrophysicists were like saying like, this can't be right, but actually we've confirmed it now. Yeah, we actually have a document of two black holes actually colliding with each other. So, um, it can actually, uh, yeah, that's easily uh, Googleable now. But, um, mm. as far as like time travel, one of the things I put on there was one thing to get around as far as the, the, the paradox is saying that you can have many worlds interpretation um the theory that there's parallel kind of timelines that when you do travel in time there's one theory theory with it is that if time is a singular line let's say i build my time machine and i go back five let's say i go back five hours in the past and i destroy my time machine well now i can't go back in the future because i've destroyed my time machine that i would have built in the future so i'm stuck <clears throat> so they're saying okay so you can't time travel but if you have parallel timelines then if i go back in time i'm not necessarily going back into my the timeline that i was just in in the past i'm going back to a different past timeline and i can destroy that time machine in that future but haven't altered the future from which i just came from mm -hmm. or there's actually parallel timelines that are happening so that gets around the paradox theory now that's something that science fiction movies like to use a lot and this mm -hmm. uh, one of the theorists is effort is actually got theorized that many worlds interpretation theory and that is one way to say that okay theoretically you could time travel if it is in a uh, you know if there's many worlds or many parallel timelines happening because you're not actually going back into necessarily your past um you're actually going back into different past and because it's different time places and um you know we've had some people speak out on stuff like this and um I mean, Carl Sagan even said that, you know, he, I've seen him quoted on talking about saying that there might actually be like uh, time travelers actually among us right now, used in, in disguise, essentially. And um, I know Hawkins had uh, had mentioned something and he tried to debunk some of this many worlds interpretation. I know he doesn't, Stephen Hawkins, I know he doesn't subscribe to it too much at all about it. But um, so there's it, a lot of that theory crafting mm -hmm. in it. But um, and there's a lot just kind of like, on a tangent there but um i do love reading about this kind of stuff um and so just seeing how you know how it actually space time and actually can be distorted and actually you can create these kind of like in theory how you can actually like potentially time travel and mm -hmm. um but you know it's uh it, just interesting stuff and the problem with the many worlds interpretation is we haven't really got the, the technology to actually to test it because they've actually if you do a deep dive on reading on it there's been some people that have actually tried to test it um by doing experiments on it not they wouldn't have a time machine but just doing a um running two morning one person runs these two separate experiments and another person runs an experiment on like light sources i think is what they use and they try to interrupt one of the light sources to see if it arrives at the same destination Mm -hmm. how they were doing it when i was reading on it so there's been but it wasn't limited by the technology but it's um but it's still it's a fascinating theory to to read on um if you're into like you know quantum mechanics and to um you know to astrophysics stuff so it's uh it's an interesting read but in a generally that's just why i wanted to bring it up because we talk about it interstellar and they did show like wormholes in there and they did show um one thing about they really got spot on was um on the kind of goes along with the theory of general relativity is that the close and this is kind of one thing that einstein theorized and showed that if the 
the closer you are <clears throat> to a gravitational pull, let's say the closer you get to a black hole, the slower time moves. Mm-hmm. The further away from that gravitational pull, the um, you know the more normal time moves. So in effect, that's how they showed it in Interstellar. Um, so if you're closer to that, let's say it's time is moving slower. And mm-hmm. so for you, it seems like time is moving at its normal time as the same person that's further away. That's the theory of relativity relative mm-hmm. to where you're at. However, like if you're closer in there and then you go back out to the ship that's back out in space, that person, you know, might have like aged 30 some odd years. But right. you, you were only down there for, let's say, like 30 days because time moves slower for you. And so and they showed that really well in uh, Interstellar, I felt, as far as touching on to that one of the Einstein's theories within that general relativity, as far as like how time mm-hmm. is slower, distorted by um, gravitational pull. Yeah. And, so, you know, it's, it's funny you bring up the many worlds interpretation because Endgame tried to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rule, and this is why uh, time movies can be so frustrating, is because people forget how their rules work by the end of the movie. The rule is in, you know, Endgame is if you go back in time, you create a new timeline. So mm-hmm. you're, you're changing not your universe, but someone else's universe, essentially. Yeah. So they kind of use that to say, we're not really screwing up our timeline, so it's okay. But then they ruin, they ruin that logic by when Captain America goes back mm-hmm. in time and restores everything. Mm-hmm. And he comes back as an old man, but he shouldn't have come back in their timeline. He should have come back in a totally different timeline. Um, so essentially, the idea is you can't come back because you're, you started a brand new timeline. Um, and, they, you know, a lot of the Internet's kind of like angry, like well, not really angry. They're like, hey, hey, you're not following your one rule. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, because like that is one of the, the there's multiple premises to making a movie and some foundations to making a movie. And one of the big foundations is, is that, OK, especially in science fiction movies, once you establish your rules, you have to adhere to the rules that mm-hmm. you've established as the premise of your movie and your universe or whatever you've created. And you can't alter it just because it becomes a necessary convenience for the ending of your movie. Yeah. Right, I know they they were trying to go for the let's send off Cap with a you know with a happy idea, yeah. And you know, I I have to give it to them. Like I could, I'm I'm glad they did, but you know, you just can't you just can't mess around with time rules like that. Um, other tropes that are popular is. Um, you know, the person, they go back in time, you know, it's the butterfly effect Mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they push over a vase. And if you push over a vase, you go back into the future and, you know, Hitler is, you know, his son is now the president of America. Um, you know, that's, that's always a fun trope to deal with. Yeah, they had some. They had that butterfly effect. That was that was a really interesting movie. There was one I felt so bad. Like he, when he like he, there was some dark moments in that movie. Like he tried to kill himself. Yeah, yeah. And then he came back with like no arms or something like that. Right, and right. I was like, God, this movie's like for an Ashton Kutcher movie. I mean, he like normally goes for like goofy comedy. I'm like, he's going dark. Oh yeah, this that movie is very dark, and it's 
I, I, like I really like the rule behind that is the fact that he has like some special. It's basically a superpower. Yeah. Where if if he you know thinks about his past, he travels back to it. Yeah. And it's him just trying so mm-hmm. hard just to make his like messed up childhood right, and it just turning out horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and so that uh, that movie actually has a very dark uh, alternate ending. Um, like I don't want to spoil it, but I just want to say like the the ending that we got in the original movie is like ten times brighter and happier <laughs> than the alternate wow. ending. That's like God. I'm like that's like really depressing. That's the only time I ever thought like I ever watched a movie like. To the point of like, I walked out of it. I'm like, okay, I mm-hmm. need, you know, I need, I need some. I gotta go someplace and really get ice cream, right. and I gotta hear laughter, babies laughing, or something like that. It was House of Sand and Fog? God, that movie. And I'm a Jennifer Connelly fan, but I right. watched that movie and Bing Kingsley's in it, and I'm just like, God, this movie is depressing. Oh God, this is like painful. I oh mean, my gosh, I saw that on a family. flight. <laughs> the House of Sand and Fog. I saw that on a flight, and I'm like, yeah. oh man. It is dark and depressing. I'm like, oh. yeah. That movie starts on a low note and goes deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never gets better. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we asked, you know, we asked Discord about fav- <laughs> favorite time travel movies. And uh, so someone brought up the movie Arrival with Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. I hope I got her name right. Yeah. And that has that has a cool time travel aspect in it where she... I think she has like daydreams about stuff that happens in the future. Yeah, visions. Yeah, and yeah, and um, and the, the you find out that the aliens are using that to communicate with her. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really nice. Um, that was cool. They got that one symbol they keep uh, inking on the actual thing. I don't know. Everyone was saying there's octopods or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. they were like inking that symbol on the glass, trying to help her explain and stuff. So yeah, it was a it was a quiet build. I will say that about the movie. Right. Um, very few people don't remember MTV coming out with their own time travel movie called Project Almanac. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't do so well, but it, it did. It had this cool rule where uh, this rule where if you saw yourself in the past, like it created a distortion effect. So like both you and your person would like be stuck in this loop where both of you are vibrating and. And like you'd be stuck forever, and so I thought that was kind of a cool rule. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I never saw that. Uh, Butterfly Effect actually has a sequel and a third one, and uh, and I think it has a short run series. I have like this morbid curiosity about how the sequels did. Mm. After I watched the first one, I'm like, okay. If there's any more Butterfly Affecting, I'm like, it won't affect me. I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> done. <laughs> Too dark for me. <laughs> I just want to know how they did it with a, a different story and a lower budget. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Aston Kusher's not in it, is he? No, no, no. no, no yeah, he's he's moved on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um Looper. People like to bring up Looper. I I myself haven't seen it, but I kinda understand the rule behind it is you um it's about assassins that you know they they use time travel to kill certain people and then the last person you kill is yourself but you don't know that 
you're killing your future self to close off the loop. Um, I mean, it was, it was entertaining. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I, I like Jordan Love. What was his name? Jordan Love Hewitt. I know you want to go um, three names. Yeah, Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh gosh. Um, Bruce Willis is in it, and yeah. uh, it, it's going to kill me that I don't know. George, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, George, George, Joseph Gordon Levitt. I know I'm not going to get those three names right. Yeah. Does I can anybody- remember those three names, and I can never remember the guy's three names from uh, um, Stiffer from American Pie. I can never remember that guy's three names. Oh, uh, Sean. Sean William Scott. Sean- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean William Scott. Like, yeah, Sean William Scott. Yeah. Yeah. The, the crazy thing about Looper is that does anyone really believe that an older Joseph Gordon Levitt would look like Bruce Willis? No. No. That's what I thought. Like, aren't you supposed to, I don't know, maybe he gets facial surgery and yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see what other movies. Uh, Donnie Darko I, in Hot Tub Time Machine. We didn't mention those movies, but I, I was looking up famous time travel movies, and um, those now, movies. I've seen Hot Tub Time Machine, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's 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 for what it is. I mean it's it's like a little like campy comedy. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's entertaining. It's got its parts, quotable parts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's got an awesome moment where he sings the uh, Motley Crue song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure we could, we could spend three more hours looking up time travel movies. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, some of them are amazing and you can come up with tons of theories and, you know, are very smart. Other ones are not so much and yeah. Um, now the one thing I wanted to talk to you about and this is our fun. We put on our imagination caps. Uh, let's talk about if they did a re if they remade Back to the Future um, for today's audience. What would it have? Now I know there's a guy who added Tom Holland. He put Tom Holland's face and voice uh, over Marty, and he put Robert Downey Jr.'s face over Doc. And it looks it looks like they were in the movie basically. It's a, called a deep fake. Okay. So it, it worked. Yeah, it's it actually kind of like I think it uses their voices too, and it it, it makes you actually think, man, th- these guys could totally do it. But I want to know what you think a modern like a modern remake of Back to the Future. I mean, if you did it. I think it would be hard to mess with the formula of what they did because people are going to like want to see them going back in time. Yes. Um, maybe not back to 1955. I know that was the innocence of it all. And, you know, people think about the fifties or think about that, that innocence of that time. Um, so, I mean, they maybe have to go back to like another time and the way I think, I think our, Perhaps I'm overstepping the saying this that way. The audience is now. I think they would want more more action in it. Right. And um, so I think if they went back in time, they would have to go to some place like um, around more of a historical time happening. I don't think it would. I don't think it would sell with just being like some 
you know, goes, I don't think it'd be like, it couldn't be a carbon copy. Like goes back, you know, George McFly, you know, his mom and stuff like that. I think they'd have to have kind of like, almost like uh, I mentioned earlier about national treasure. I think maybe like kind of going back and having to kind of help out in an incident of like happening back during like a, a national crisis or something like that type situation. You know, the interesting thing is um, in the movie was in 85 and to them the past was 55 yeah um to us we would have to go back to the 80s like that would be that would like Hi, our cool. audience would have to see the 80s and they'd be like oh my gosh so things were so different you know what they would say oh my gosh mtv played music videos <laughs> right. um and what is this vh1 toys are toys are us what no <laughs> right you can have a lot of fun with that i would i would not mind seeing like like millennials of today yeah. maybe like zendaya going back to the 80s being like totally like oh, you know where's your internet where's your where's this you know you know what else they talk about music they'd be like they they tell millie vanilli no man it's cool dude you're just ahead of your time everybody's doing what you're doing nowadays right <laughs> It's called iTunes. Yeah, using your own voice. What? <laughs> Writing your own songs? Gross. Uh, yeah. Like, who who would be a good actor today to reprise the role of Marty McFly? It could even be his son. Oh, it, it, you know, uh, Tom Holland, I think it's like a like, because he's got that. He's got a young face, so I don't know how old Tom Holland is. Let me see. I can't remember how old Michael J. Fox was when he was filming Be Martin McFly. He was still doing Family Ties. That's why he couldn't go around and promote the movie, because he was still locked into the deal of having to attend every episode of Family Ties for filming. But yeah. um, So, if they didn't get Tom Holland... What about uh, the, the Flash actor, Grant Gustin? He's kind of dorky, you know, from the the series The Flash. Grant Gustin on the CW. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It could work. I thought you meant like I was thinking about the other Flash. You're talking about like from the movies and from oh. the Harry Potter the, the series. The uh, oh, Ezra Miller. Uh, yeah. I'm like, no, he's kind of in hot water right <laughs> no, now. He's, he's, he's kind of a hothead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nah, he's he's kind of yeah hot to touch. Um. No, yeah, he, that guy could work. Yeah, because you have to get somebody that's kind of be kind of be that young if you want to go for the marty mcfly of what that back in the future is yeah you get that young innocent goofy likable from the start kind of guy right yeah uh who would be a good doc um, i think i mean robbie downey jr does does deadpan one-liner so good but doc mcbrown did not do de- deadpan one-liner so good but i don't know he can pull off anything like after i saw him do tropic thunder i mean robert downey jr can do all kinds of roles i mean he the roles he played in tropic thunder were so like i'm just like man this guy's like really showcasing his uh his spread of what he can <laughs> he can do um so i mean just saying it's uh i mean you, you could do robert downey jr but i'm trying to think like even you Everyone knows Dr. Brown for that wild white hair and stuff like that. So, you you know what actor kind of has that same energy as you know the Marty, <laughs> um, Jack Black. He kind of has that energy to him. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Jack Black definitely's got that. Uh, and he's got that that improv humor, and he's got that. Uh, yeah. That stage presence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he'd have to learn how to ramble off science, but I think he could do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He could do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a good choice. I mean, it um, it'd be different because definitely you would not have a tall Doc McBrown. No, no, you would not. No, because Christopher Lloyd is six one. So yeah, and uh, Jack Black is one six. Yeah. Who would be a good Biff? I. You know, when I think of Biffs, I think of, uh, you know, the bully from Spider Man. You know, Flash Thompson. Oh yeah. Now, which Spider-Man movie are you talking about? Which one? Uh, well, the the new ones, the that Flash Thompson's more of oh, like okay. he's more of a jerk than he is yeah. anything else. Um, I think it'd be a good Biff. He, I, yeah, I he would this, this guy's uh, name. Um, he was actually Opie uh, in Sons of Anarchy, and. Uh, he was in We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. And, um, oh, God, what was his name? Let me see. Um, uh, I cannot think of his name right now. Is the answer Mel Gibson? No. Uh. <laughs> uh, Greg Kinnear, Chris Klein, Barry Pepper, uh, Ryan Hurst, Robert Bagnell. Mark Blucas, John Hamm. I know. He was like a, he did a smaller role in it. Uh, yeah, Ryan Hurst. Oh, okay. Yes, so, Ryan Hurst. John Hamm would make an excellent, I don't know, he'd make an excellent principal. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he could be Marty's dad. Yeah, because Ryan Hurst is actually playing the uh, Thor and the God of Ragnarok coming up. So, but he was actually open sunset. And he plays that kind of, Kind of that that kind of tough guy roles and stuff yeah. like that. So I think he would do good. Um, let's see. Uh, who would be the female? I, I mentioned Zendaya. I think Zendaya would be great. Mm-hmm. But then um, Grant Gustin. He there's a the Flash has that female actress, Candace Patton. I think she. Um, you know, to to kind of be the female in Back to the Future, you kind of have to be like surprised by everything and be like, "What? Where? Where am I?" You know. You definitely cannot be like a take charge type woman. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. You gotta kind of be more along for the ride. You know, holding on to your guy's hand, kind of a role. And um, trying to think of what females I've seen kind of floating about of late that kind of. But I can't, no one's coming to mind right now that are kind of allowed themselves to be kind of typecast into that. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything right now. Because uh, all the females I've been seeing lately have been like in, in movies, have been more like kind of like more of a take charge type lady. So I, I can't think of anything right now, anybody right now. Um, if we're talking about like 1950s, uh, Marty's dad. 
like someone who kind of is could be like geeky. You know, I I'm I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at pictures of Brandon Routh right now. Maybe maybe Brandon Routh, uh, David Dave Amell, uh, the guy who plays Arrow. Mm-hmm. He'd be fun to watch in this movie. Or I'm sorry, Stephen Amell, not Dave. Now, if you want to know, like, uh, like someone, I think they could pull it off. Although they, they would have to do maybe some, I don't know, you know, maybe some makeup to kind of make believable, like the, the, the time difference. Are you talking about his dad in the past or the dad, like, currently? Yeah, the dad in the past. You know, the you are my density. Oh, okay, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, destiny. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because I was thinking about in the present, I was thinking uh, Matthew Broderick. But yeah, no, he'd make a good well, kind Matthew of Matthew Broderick yeah. would be good for that. I wonder if yeah. he's still working right now. I don't know. I, I don't. I think he did. I heard him maybe doing some stage work, maybe. And that was about what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. God. And like his wife, she would make a good, like, kind of. But yeah, but then we're getting kind of older with the roles. But Sarah Jessica Parker. She would do good in that kind of like, you know, the female that's just kind of coming along, hold on to the hand kind of thing. You know, I don't know if anyone would believe that Ryan Reynolds would be in high school, but he'd make a good biff. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So that that's looking good. I, you know, Zemeckis should give us a call. Let us know that... uh you know, we we pretty much just solved his his next great film. Yeah. Well, they said they're never going to make another sequel, so yeah, they're never going to touch it again. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised studios aren't jumping at the bit. You know, with all these remasters and remakes. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They're they're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they're uh, they're re- recycling everything. What's the latest I saw coming out? Um, on TV now, Quantum Leap. They got right. that one coming out. Yeah. They've done MacGyver and they quantum leap. I'm like, well, what's next up? The A team? <laughs> oh, they already made an A team remake. It actually was pretty good. Yeah, the movie was good. The movie's got to about like a series. And uh, like they made the movie Miami Vice. Now they're going to bring back the series. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we figured out, I, I think we did justice to the movie timeline genre. Yeah. But if- if we forgot any, you know, please let us know on the Discord, Retrologic Discord. We love talking about this stuff. Recommendations included. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel we, about this uh, movie talk? What's that? How do you feel about this movie talk? Did we nail it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely. As they say in the studio business, we can. it's in the can. It's in so, the yeah. can. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah. Anyways, thank you for coming along on this ride with us. Um, I'm Mike. And I'm Eston here, so we appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Our solo something is um, another handle I have. Yeah, appreciate it. I'm the ambassador, um, but I'll probably change my name like eight more times. No, I'm Warriors of Wazd. So. Yeah, I can never keep it with your name. I just know you're, I'm like, don't change your avatar. That's how I know it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyways, keep talking to us on the Discord about these movies. It's been great talking to you, Aston. We'll see you in two weeks, and 
we have to talk about Halloween. We, I just want to know what angle we're taking on our Halloween movies. So maybe we'll discuss that later and figure it out. Yeah, actually, um, I saw this time last year, I saw the, the, the Michael Myers they did again. And I thought, okay, now they got the Halloween. Now it's like done. And then now I just saw on um, Peacock, they said, now it ends this time around. And it's got Jamie Lee Curtis. So I guess I'm like, is this now a part two to last year's Halloween movie? And so I'm like, maybe they're going to finish him now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know what they say about Mike Myers movies. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, after Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. Oh, different Mike Myers. Never mind. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, anyway. he does throw a shoe. <laughs> Anyways, it's been great. Thank you. And everyone have a great day. Yeah, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.